You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. I got a picture of my family. I want to throw it up before I jump in the message. Yes. Guys, she's married. I just want y'all to know that. Don't try nothing, won't be nothing. I go black fast now. Don't get it twisted. Straight up, we'll talk about that. I got a record. We'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, don't get this cry. Yeah, I'm telling you, just because I'm Christ, I ain't cushion. Now don't do that. All right. So yeah, that's my wife right there, Kai Sowell. She, she is a woman of God. And that's my little baby girl right there, Brave Moroa Sowell. And that's my guy, Cannon Okwe Sowell. And Kyle right there was three months pregnant, and we have a new baby girl that's six months, that's six months old right now, Liberty Asante Wasowell. I call him my white baby because Kyle's mom is German. Kyle's mixed. Kyle's mom is German, and she's this little, short little white lady with red hair and blue eyes. And Liberty looks just like her grandmother. So, like, I walk out of this, like, real talk, true story. I walk through the store with Liberty, and I get ready to walk out, and, like, people start to follow me. I'm like, yo, this is my baby, okay? <laughs> it's mine, man. It's mine. Leave me alone. It's mine. Well, why does she have blue eyes? Hey, yo, don't be asking me questions. <laughs> this is my baby. But we having a time of our life, and that's our beautiful family. And, um, yeah, we just love Jesus, and we love people, just like your pastors do. We love Jesus and love people. And um, I got a message on my heart, and I want to share with you guys. Uh, have anybody ever gave you a gift? Like, it was... It was kind of a gift for them, and you knew it, but it was a gift for you. You know, like I gave my wife a few years ago for Mother's Day, I gave her a crock pot. It, I mean, it's a gift for her, because sometimes she's talking, ah, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to you know, cook over this. I, I gave her, but it's really for me. But it's a gift for her. And in my prayer time, I think God gave me a word for me, but it just happens to be. A word for you. Some of you might be dealing with the very thing that Kevin and I are dealing with right now. But it's a word for us. But it might be a word for you. So I hope we can all enjoy the word for me. That could be the word for you. So if you could turn your Bibles to Proverbs. And we're going to jump in real quick. Because I think that we all might can learn from what we're about to share. And Solomon, we're going to use Solomon because Solomon was very dramatic. I don't know, was he dramatic because he had a thousand wives? I don't know. But it was drama, drama, drama because he was so dramatic. I mean, like, you ever notice somebody that just says, like, just inflammatory things? This is the hottest day ever. Now, come on, bro. Now, that's just a lie. I've never been cold like this before in my life. Like you arguing with your wife and you arguing with your, with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Man, you never tell me you love me. Now, come on. Now, that's just a violation. You know, never. That's how Solomon was. Like he was just very, 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 very extra. I'm a little extra too. That's why I like Solomon. I got one wife though, so I didn't take that from him. So we're going to be in Solomon, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4, because I think he says something that's so, 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 so important. And I don't think it's hyperbole, a hyperbole. I don't think that. I think it's a truth. I think it's the root of a truth before you get to the fruit of a truth. 
And Solomon says this right here. He says, above all. Hold on, Solomon. Above all? Above all things, guard your heart. Hold on. Above prayer? Not, not, not Solomon. Above giving? Above love? Now we need unity. Above unity? You're going to be that dramatic? Above all, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of your life. So what Solomon is saying right there, before we jump in the message, what Solomon is saying, everything that we experience out here, it starts right here. So he's saying if you don't guard this, everything else in life could be corrupted, could be contaminated, could be stolen, could be destroyed, could be harmed. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. So I want to talk about this one little word that I think I'm struggling with and potentially you can be struggling with it too. Anxiety. Anxiety. The anxiety that comes in your heart that produces an action in your life. So I entitled this message, Wants and Wiggles. Why y'all laughing? Wants and wiggles. Because what you want could potentially create a wiggle. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for our pastors, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can share this time together under the banner of Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We pray for our family in Kentucky right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for giving us access inside of the kingdom to be able to help them, Jesus. Thank you for the resources that you blessed us with that we can bless them with. Not only financial resources, but just us as people, our prayers and our actions. We'll give you all the honor. Wish I had some shoes like Pastor Brian. So just go ahead and bless me with them, Jesus. Mike might give them to me for free from the sneaker store. Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. True story. You heard that prayer? <laughs> Wants and wiggles. Like, like, like seriously, I, and I named that because sometimes we can have a want that create a wiggle. Like, literally. Meaning we can have a want that creates a wiggle in a response in our life, but it's starting in our heart. Have anyone ever did something that they regretted? Like, come on, it's, 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 it's Sunday, guys. I know it's raining. Don't lie in church. Like, anybody. Ever, I'm the only one did something they regret. Like, you just like, man, like, how did I do that? Like, why did I do that? So one time, I was, when I met Kai, now I'm going to say something. 
Don't judge me, okay? I, I feel judgment over here. I already feel it. <laughs> y'all, y'all free. Y'all my people over here. I felt it come from dude in the blue shirt just hit me. Ah, right in my rib with it. I felt it, bro. <laughs> Yo, so one time, like, literally one time. I'm not going back, I promise. One time I was in prison. See, I told you it was going to hit me. I told you. I knew it. Look, so I was in prison for five years. And we're going to talk about that a little later. I, I believe in Jesus now, okay? All right, we good. So I was in prison, and, um, and my wife I met before I went to prison. Kai, she wasn't my wife then. She was my girlfriend. I met her in a nightclub. And when I went to prison, she ended up finding out that I was in prison, and she wrote me a letter. She was like, yo, you know, if you're not damaged goods, if you need somebody to just talk to while you're in prison, I would, I talk to you. So, you know, you're in prison. I'm like, cool, talk to me. I wrote her back. I'm like, awesome, great. So we talked the whole five years while I was in prison. And then I'm like, man, I end up giving my life. I'll talk to you a little bit about that later. I end up giving my life to Jesus year four of prison. And Kai dated me while I was in prison. We started dating year three. So now she was hiding me from everyone. Like, she was telling all her homegirls, because Kai's from Philly. She was telling all of her homegirls, I got a boyfriend. But they never seen a boyfriend. And her parents never seen a boyfriend. So her dad was like, hey, where's your boyfriend? We having Thanksgiving dinner. Is your boyfriend going to come? She's like, no, he got a job. He's in pharmaceuticals. He I was literally in pharmaceuticals, right? <laughs> Away from pharmaceuticals, right? <laughs> so she was like, no, he can't come. And then her girlfriend was like, we want to see. Kai, you're like off the market. Like, my wife is beautiful. And she was, like, off the market, not going out, not doing nothing. And they were like, well, we want to meet your boyfriend. He's away. You'll, you'll get to see him later. So a year goes by, and now I'm out. So now Kai, best girlfriend, is about to get married. Her name is Kimmy. Kimmy is from Egypt. Kimmy is wealthy. Not, not rich. It's a difference, okay? All right. Say it with me. Wealthy. See, y'all think, see, one more time. Wealthy. She's wealthy. From Egypt, right? And she had, and Kimmy's from New York, and she has a bunch of different friends. Man, she got a friend from Amsterdam. She got a homegirl from England, from London. She got all these rich, wealthy homegirls. And Kai was going to be her maid of honor and her wedding. So Kimmy's getting married. So now I'm out of prison. I've never seen Kimmy or the rest of Kai's homegirls that's wealthy. And they all got wealthy husbands. So now me, I'm fresh out, Pastor Brown. I'm, I'm fresh out. So Kyle's like, we're going to New York for Kimmy's wedding. You know what I think? I got to look good. I can't let her down. I'm about to meet her dad. I'm about to meet her wealthy friends. I'm like, I got to look the best. They've never seen me. They didn't know I was away. So I'm going to show up with my wife, and I am not going to let her down. I can't do it. So I fly in Philly. I go to her mom's house, meet her dad for the first time. He's like, how you doing, Mel? You've been going. Pharmaceuticals, you do good. I'm like, yes, sir. Pharmaceuticals, he's Ghanaian. I'm like, I do great. Yes, sir. Got a great job. I am lying. I ain't even got no job. I'm five months out. All I got is Jesus. Can I get amen? I'm like, my God should supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's all I believe, right? I'm lying. I'm talking about like, I ain't got nothing, right? He's like, yes. I'm like, yes, sir, Dr. Norte. I'm going to do good. Kai's going to be all right. We're going to be great. Awesome. So now I like, I wake up the next morning and I need a haircut. So I'm like, okay, I got to get a haircut. I got my suit ready. I know how I'm going to look. I'm like, all right, I got to get a haircut. So I go online, Kevin, and I'm like, yo, barbershop's in the area. Look for a barbershop in the area. 
and it said a Puerto Rican barbershop. So being in prison, I know Puerto Ricans cut good. Don't, y'all don't do that. Don't profile. Not the Puerto Ricans either. Okay. So now I know they cut good. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to go to this Puerto Rican barbershop. So I get up early in the morning and I'm like, yo, I go to the barbershop and I go to the barbershop and it's jumping. I'm talking about it's, it's people lined up everywhere. I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to get a chair. And I look back there in the back of the barbershop and I see an open chair. You're right. You know it. Homie back there know it. Don't go to that chair. Bro, I walk, go to the chair, dude, like, no poppy, no poppy, no poppy. Don't, no, no, don't, no, 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 I'm like, it's open. Let me get in this chair. I need a cut. I got to look good. So, PB, I go to the chair. This lady come out. She's like, oh, poppy, you want a haircut? I'm like, yeah, I want a haircut. I want to look good. Boom, boom. She's like, okay, 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 okay. She cutting my hair. Yo, I'm just sitting up there. I'm chilling. And then she's like, you, you, you got Unibra, Unibra. I'm like, who? I got, you, you. she's like, Unibra, let me do your eyebrow. So I'm like, okay, just do my eyebrow. So I'm sitting back there in the chair, and she got a razor out. Then she take the clippers out. She just hitting my eyebrows, y'all. My phone goes off in my pocket. Real talk. All I heard was like, all my eyebrows just fell in my lap. Okay, Papi, it's okay, Papi, it's okay. And I'm like, no, 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 mom, no, mom, no, speak, let's go speak in English. It ain't good, okay? We got beef right now. She's like, no, let me do the other one, let me do the other one. So, yes, she see it. You, you, see, you see it. She, no, she hit another one. Now, I'm talking about 20 minutes. She just, and I look at my phone, this Kyle trying to FaceTime me. And I'm like, I, I can't show my life. Man, yo, when I turn around, this lady showed me the mirror. I'm talking about, I got this much eyebrow. Y'all think I'm playing? Look at the picture. Check it out. Yo, no, it was bad, yo. I look like, look, my eyebrows match with Kai. Look at that. No, where are they? No, what is all this bone right here? Like, I didn't even know I had bone under my eye. I'm like, what is going on? So, no, all night I stayed in the bathroom. I didn't go out. They was like, Kyle, we want to meet Mayo. We want to meet Mayo. We heard so much about him. She was like, he's in the bathroom. Something's wrong with his stomach. I stayed in the bathroom all night. I didn't dance. I didn't meet nobody. I didn't do anything. All because of a wiggle, but all because of a won't. Because it was an anxiety in my heart from who they expected me to be, I did something I should not have done because I thought I wasn't good enough. So what Solomon is saying, he said, above all, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of life. Yes, I had a bad haircut and a bad eyebrow, but could it start it in my heart first? Why did I think I wasn't good enough? Why did I think I should have presented something to someone that they thought I should be when I never even asked them. How many times are we in that situation when we have a want in our heart and it creates a response in our life and now we get in that response and we're like, how did we even get in here? Could it be because the enemy put a want in our heart and it created the wrong response in our life? And I want to dive into anxiety with one word. I think I want to dive into anxiety with one word. I think that we all can struggle with. Because even though right now I'm struggling with this, it's a gift for me and a revelation for me, but it might, could help you. Because I think about this great church, and sometimes when I look at this great church, I then compare myself to you. 
And I say, okay, God, if I don't have this, do you love me like you love him? So therefore, because I want this, I tend to do everything you do. And now Atlanta don't get a real me. Could it be because the corporate of anxiety concluded with comparison? How many times do we compare ourselves? Because the point, I have just two points today. And I hope we get them. Comparison is crippling. Because now what I'm saying is when I compare myself against Pastor Brian, and now I say I want a church like this, and I want to preach like him, and I want to move like him, and I want to look like him, and I want to do like him. Now I compare myself to him, and I become crippling to who I really am. Because I really think that is the foundation of Anxiety. Because we think about it in the garden, what did the devil, what did the devil trick Eve to? He, he told Eve and Adam, if you want to be like God, do something. So he must have had her to believe and compare herself to God to make her do something to be like God. Sin came in and sin was crippling. That's why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. We're going to jump into this and we're going to dive just a little deeper into it. 2 Corinthians, he says this. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone who commends themselves. For when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So Paul says right here, we do not dare to classify. Let's look at that word a little bit, classify. That's where we get the word classism. Meaning it's different classes of people. But the different classes of people are set up by comparison. Right now we're struggling with a race problem. And inside the race problem is class problem. So because of this race, now because of that race, a different race, now they produce a different class. So now when that class is created, there is what's between them two races is a chasm. So now because a chasm is created, we can never have connection. So it says right here, this classism, it says classism is a prejudice or discrimination on the basis of social class. It includes individual attitudes, behaviors. Man, have you ever put somebody in another class because of their behaviors? Think about it. Because of what they've done, you place them in a different class. Watch this. Because of what you've done, you place yourself in a different class. So now you place yourself in a different class, and now you cut yourself off from God's blessing because now you didn't do what they did. Because you compared their life to your life. And it created anxiety in your life. And now you say, I need to do just like them. And now you try to step over the chasm that you've made, have created. And you just feel lost, isolated, all alone, by yourself. And it says behavior, system, policies, practices set up to benefit a particular class at the expense of another. Social class refers to the grouping of individuals in a hierarchy based on wealth, income, education, popularity, or social network.
But it all came because you compared. Or it all came because I compared. And it creates anxiety in our life. And the enemy shoots a dart at us. And he says, hey, you're not like them. And the dart comes in the camouflage of comparison. You are enough. We have to accept that. That may be the hardest thing to accept in life. You are enough. You don't have to be like them. I don't have to walk like them. I don't have to look like them. We are enough. God loves you just the way you are. And the reason I think this message is for me, but it could be for you, is because several years ago, when I graduated from college, I had a friend of mine, he went to the NFL, and we all went, we all went to the NFL. He went number two pick, and this was my best friend. Like, his signing bonus for the Miami Dolphins was $32 million. Y'all rich. Let me go this time. Broke people. My class. His signing bonus was 32, oh, let me see. Before he played a down of football, didn't run a ball, didn't catch a ball, didn't see a ball, just signed this piece of paper for $32 million. Real talk. I'm like, yo, we get to spend $32 million. <laughs> I, listen, yo, we spent so much money that summer. Oh, my God. Like, real talk, so much money. And, like, we just had the best time. And, like, I, and so I played for Buffalo. He played for Miami, and I tore my ACL. So now we've, we had this lifestyle that we was used to because some of it was my money and some of, most of it was his money, and I was spending. So now I couldn't play anymore, and I'm stuck in Atlanta, and I'm like, man, what can I do to get that same lifestyle that Ronnie had? I can't have it anymore. I can't buy the bottles in the club. I can't drive the car. I can't do all that stuff. So now I started to look at Ronnie and be like, man, look at you. I'm going to show you. Now notice the whole time I'm comparing myself to Ronnie. And I'm also unconsciously putting Ronnie in a class. At the same time, I'm creating a chasm. And now to myself, I think I'm all over here by myself alone and I'm wondering how can I get into Ronnie class, but I have to cross this huge chasm. Because it happened with comparison. So now I found myself all alone because I'm letting you know comparison, all it wants to do is create separation. Because now when you get into separation, all you do is ruminate on what you don't have and what they do have. And you're thinking, how can I get what they do have so that I can respond and look and feel like them and have the same attributes as them and have the same accolades as them. But I'm telling you, you are enough. And I found myself over here selling drugs for six years, trying to cross the chasm to make it to his millions. 
And I thought the drugs and the money would get me across the chasm, but when I made it across the chasm to the million-dollar status, I found myself in a prison cell. And a piece of paper came on the door. It said, Mail so well versus the United States of America. And all I can do 23 hours a day in an 8 by 8 cell is look at my wrist to see can I find something sharp enough to cut it, to see if the sheet is strong enough and the rafter is high enough. You may be saying, hey, Mayo, that was your situation and I was in a natural prison, but you might find yourself right now in a spiritual prison because you isolated, because you compare yourself to something social media is saying or culture is telling you to create yourself to. You are enough. So I spent five years in this prison cell, four years without God, four years without God by myself, just thinking, just like, man, it's over. My life is over. Until someone came in the cell and they told me three words, which I want to tell you, because some of you might be in this prison of anxiety right now. You're just thinking you're not enough. You have to be more. You have to do more. You are enough. They told me three words that saved my life. And if you didn't get nothing out of the message, please get this today. Just nothing. Just get these three words. Three words. Keys, you can come out and we're going to end. Christ is near. Just three words. Christ is near. Christ is near. Meaning that's the meta-narrative of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books of the Bible, Jesus came for one reason to say one thing. God sent Jesus for one thing in Scripture. If you don't ever read Scripture again and never read it again, and you just be the body of Christ without reading Scripture, you have to know this. Christ is near. Christ is near. Christ is near. Because if you don't know this, anxiety will be here. And Paul is trying to tell the Philippian church this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, hey, rejoice. Always rejoice. He says, I say it again, rejoice. Philippians chapter 4. Always rejoice. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be apparent to all. Y'all ever met somebody that's anxious and they just sitting there? No, they're like this the whole time. Whole time. They're like, you talking to them? I'm like, bro, what are, how you doing, bro? The whole time. Pastor Brian, you're probably doing it right now. Look. <laughs> whole time. I do it in my wife like male. Chill. Chill. Paul is saying you can't be gentle and anxious at the same time. Just chill. He's saying rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be apparent to all. Why? The Lord is where? The Lord is where? See right there, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. And Paul is trying to set a metronome in the Philippian church. Paul writes this from prison. He didn't know if he was going to make it. 
He didn't know if his head is he's going to be decapitated from Nero. He didn't know what was going to happen. But he's telling them, hey, you can always rejoice. Yo, I don't got a man. Rejoice. Yo, I don't have a job. Rejoice. Yo, I'm not out of prison. Rejoice. I don't have the right answer. Rejoice. I have student loans. Rejoice. Why can I rejoice? Because Christ is near. What does that mean, Paul? He's saying when Christ is near, everything you need is here. But if the enemy can get you to believe Christ is not near, then you have to do something for everything you want because it's not here. So now you begin to create this anxiety in your heart that creates a wiggle in your life. And you start to wiggle to something because you think you have to do something because Christ is not near the owner of everything. And he's saying, rejoice always. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. That's the only way that we cannot be anxious is we know no matter what my body is feeling, no matter what social media is saying, what, cultures, what culture wants to approve me as, God is near. Emmanuel, in man you dwell. He's in you. He's with you. He's beside you. The narrative of scripture, I will never leave nor forsake you. Everything you have is in Christ. And Christ is in you. And he's telling me this right now. This message is for me, but it could be for you. I don't know who I'm going to be in Atlanta. But you enough. I don't know who's gonna walk in and what they're gonna walk out with, but live is enough. I don't know how many people it may have. I don't know about the finances. I don't know, but Christ is near. You might be feeling something in your heart right now. You say, I don't know how I can get over you filling the blank. Christ is near. Let no one else tell you anything else. Because the devil will try to tell you, God gone. No, God's not gone. He's near you. He's in you. He's with you. And Paul concludes it. He says, he says, do all of this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer. Why does he say prayer? And why is this a praying church? Because you can't pray with a person that's not near. You can't do it. Prayer is acknowledgement in the conversation of someone that's near you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thou kingdom come. Meaning you can't pray with an absent God. So when you have this conversation with this present person, now he puts a petition in your heart. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, be anxious for nothing but in everything, prayer and petition. Because petition it's always the, the, the releasing of the word of God. Meaning when this present God comes here near to you in prayer and he says, I'm with you, I'm for you. Now you release what the word of God that he put in your heart. That's called a petition. So live in Atlanta. It will be a church that will love God and love people. Whatever addiction you is, you might be in right now, say, I am a person that will be set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have the job 
that God wants me to have. I have the spouse that Jesus created for me. My kids are going to be whole. My marriage is going to be intact. This city will be saved. People will experience the glory of God in our city, through our church, through my family, through my future. That is a petition that God wants you to agree with. But we have to say God is near. So therefore, healing, freedom, wholeness is here. Then he say, make it personal with thanksgiving. Give thanks. Because he died on a cross to be near you. And we thank you for that, Jesus. So spending five years in prison, someone came into the cell in my life, my fourth year, and told me this message. Despite what you did, Mayo, God is with you. And that gospel saved my life. And I walked into a church like this called Church of the Highlands. And I experienced authentic community. And I got in a small group. I wasn't disconnected. I got on a dream team. I did everything that you do right here. And I started to serve and I started to experience this life that God died for me to have. And now we're going to the city of Atlanta. Not in anxiety, but free. Not in comparison, but in Christ. And we're going to plan a life-giving church in the city of Atlanta to, sell, to tell people the same thing. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose so that you can make a difference. But it all starts with knowing God and saying Christ is near. So everything that you thought you needed is here. And anxiety Can be gone. So every time you feel the pressure to cross a chasm that was created through comparison, just know you're enough. Christ is near you. He's with you. He's in you. He's for you. And everything you need is present. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your future that you've called us into, Lord Jesus, to make a difference in people's lives all around us. Thank you for this wonderful thing that we get to do. Expand your kingdom. Show love to people. Be a light in our communities, in our families, in our church, in our city. If there's anybody here right now that have not received Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, with all heads down, all eyes closed, this is the moment for you to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, meaning he died to be near you. He died to live inside of you. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's the best prayer that you ever pray. Could you show your hand as I count to three? One, if you have not received Jesus in your heart. Two, three. Thank you. 
Let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for living and giving me eternal life. We'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, guys, give it up for those who made decisions. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.